Hello, and welcome back to... Yeah, that can't be good! A rewatch podcast of the sci-fi original series Eureka, the longest-running original series on the Sci-Fi Channel to date. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to leave a comment, you can do that on our website, EurekaRewatch.com, on our Facebook page, Facebook.com backslash Eureka Rewatch, or on Twitter, at Eureka Rewatch. Let's get going! We're finally back. I'm Vicki, and I'm here with my co-host, Doug. Hello. And we will be talking about Season 1, Episode 2, Many Happy Returns. Our episode begins at Walter and Susan's funeral with the cool, serenity-like holograms over their gravestones. I know you're, you're not a Firefly fan, so you have no idea what I'm talking about, but trust me, they remind me of serenity. Right away, we start seeing energy fluctuations, Carter's car goes crazy, the horn beeps, the radio comes on, and we see a ghostly figure in the cemetery. Another thing we learn is Henry also officiates at funerals. He's not only a mechanic, but... Coroner. And coroner, and forensic, so Henry is definitely a jack-of-all-trades in Eureka. They get back to the office, and there's a report of a ghost sighting, and Carter takes it as a joke, and the second he does that, Susan Perkins walks in the door alive and well. Boom. <laughs> and so there's our, there's our teaser. Now Carter is faced with the dilemma of finding out who this person is. Is she Susan? If she is Susan, then who did they bury? If she's not Susan, then who is she exactly? Right. Very strange. And... And this Susan, we'll call Susan Point Two O, has no idea what's going on except that her parents received an invitation to her funeral, and she's apparently not dead. Here we have the first appearance of Nathan Stark, played by Ed Quinn, who has taken over the job of GD's director from Warren King, who we imagine was fired from GD over his involvement in the Walter Perkins incident. As a first-time watcher, what were your thoughts on Nathan? I mean, I know what I think of everybody because I've seen the show a yeah. hundred times, but what was your impression of Nathan? I didn't know what to think. It's a new character to me. I just have seen the pilot. Right. He wasn't in he it. He wasn't in it, yeah. So this is a new character. You kind of wait it out and see what is this character here for and what they're going to do. That's the impression I got. Yeah. Although some might argue the reason for Nathan's character is just to have somebody take their shirt off once in a while. We do find out that he is Allison's soon-to-be ex-husband which comes as a shock to Carter. And I always liked the character of Nathan because he's a little snarky and a little maybe... Arrogant. Yes, gives the impression of arrogance. But he's just so sarcastic, and I just love his sarcasm. And I love the relationship between him and Carter, which isn't a good relationship, but it's a funny relationship. Not so much in this episode, but it will build as time goes on into a funnier and funnier relationship. So what do you think about the initial meeting between Carter and Nathan? I think they're both taking it in stride. They're both laughing a little bit at the situation, but it's, yeah, it's it's interesting. They both have that similar sarcastic 
thing about them. Yeah. Yeah. You see a little side mouth grin here and there. So uh, it's going to be interesting how that pans, that relationship. And this episode would be the first time we hear the classic Carter, very descriptive, highly scientific term. The first of many times we hear thingy. Uh, looking into something and want to know if I could use your uh, bio uh, scanner molecule thingy. Of course. No, anything I can do to help. As we said before, Carter and Nathan have just met. So um, when Carter asks Nathan to use his body scanning thingy, Nathan doesn't react with rolling of the eyes as he would later in the series. That friction between the two characters hasn't really developed yet. At this point, they're pretty civil to each other. Well, they don't know what to think of each other because they, right. they've just met. So right. is this guy really sarcastic or is he serious? Or And they're both probably thinking the same thing. They're filling each other out. They've never met before. Right. Well, now Carter finds out he has to dig up Su- the original Susan Perkins' body so they can scan her and compare her to Susan 2.0. And this is kind of a funny scene because Henry is also the coroner. While Carter and Henry are standing next to the grave using Henry's contraption, the fluctuations start again. The energy source is wreaking havoc. Right, and Henry's trying to figure out what's happening and doesn't know how to stop it. And Carter says, take the battery out. <laughs> that, is, that is my <laughs> <Okay>. favorite, yes. <laughs> I need the regular <laughs> mortal guy there to understand these. some things are simple. And Henry <laughs> even says, why didn't I think that? <laughs> right, and I, yeah, so you're right. All these guys are figuring out, they've probably got some <laughs> equation going in their head. How are you going to stop yeah. this thing? And what do I got to invent to stop it? Take the battery out. Good, <laughs> good solution. As many times as I've watched all of these episodes over and over, I guess you watch it differently when you're watching it for a podcast. And I never noticed, or maybe I just didn't pay enough attention, that Henry changes his um, his badge on his mechanic suit. I never noticed that before. It's Velcro, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably so, has a whole pocket full of different uh, different things in there. Yeah, and um, Doug Gramley and I discussed Henry's jack-of-all-trades persona in the last podcast. Um, I, never real- I never noticed that he was changing as many times as I've watched The West Wing, I never noticed that CJ's fishbowl decorations always had something to do with the episode. But now that I know that, of course, I pay attention for it and watch for it every time the fishbowl is in the um, episode. So I'm going to have to pay attention to see if this is something Henry does through the whole series and I just didn't pay enough attention or if this is just a one-time thing. But I never noticed it before. Since Carter's just moved to Eureka, his place of residence at the moment happens to be the jail cell. So Douglas Fargo comes to the office to offer Carter a smart house, which turns out to be some sort of a bunker. Somewhere out there. It's a a really nice house. Colin Ferguson's expressions when Sarah talks. Hysterical. I didn't get it. When you first heard Sarah's voice, did you know it was Fargo? Okay, what's that? That was Sarah. Self-actuated residential automated habitat. Sarah for short. Fargo, is that you talking like a girl? No. It's the smart house. State-of-the-art model home designed to anticipate its owner's every need and desire. (laughs) 
Not at first, no. I wouldn't even have made the connection I don't think until I would've... he said something. Yeah, but he's just so funny. He, you know, he doesn't have to do anything to be funny. He just looks down and says, Fargo, is that you talking like a girl? And so, you know, the sheriff's living, going to stay in the smart house, apparently, um, with this voice who, as you come to find out, actually has kind of a personality. She gets mad at him when he doesn't come home for dinner on time. And she calls to give him his phone messages. And Sarah also has a hand in helping investigate these power fluctuations and the ghostly figures that are being seen around town. One of which was um, shows up in Nathan's office and actually sends him to the infirmary. It also appears somewhere else. I thought um, it was in the, the nightmare. Right. Name. That's right, Kevin. Kevin. Walter and Susan's son has no parents, obviously. His parents are dead. So he's staying with Allison and Kevin, and he's staying in Kevin's room. In the middle of the night, this ghost-like figure appears in Kevin's room. Brian does not wake up, but Kevin is terrorized by this figure. So much so that Allison finds Kevin in his room in the morning, frantically drawing pictures of this figure that he's seen, although she is concerned, but she writes it off as a nightmare because Kevin is largely nonverbal and can't always communicate what is wrong. So this energy source is wreaking havoc a little bit, even knocked Sarah offline. She gave all this wrong information. Carter woke up. You've been asleep for 1,800 hours or something like that. (laughs) Some crazy number. I'm having technical difficulties. Well, I'd be happy to help you with that, sir. Can I please have your name? Fargo, is that you? Uh, one, one moment, sir. Will I transfer the call? Douglas Fargo speaking. You don't say. Well, Sheriff Carter, how is everything? Your father's ready, Sheriff. Why your house is yelling at me? Hmm. Hold on. No, that's weird. There's been a power surge. It reset the clock and threw off the settings. There, is that any better? Thirty-nine megahertz. Just how you like it. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Um, now, if we could do something about the voice. Uh, so the energy source, is, if it, even if it's not visible, well, you already mentioned that, where the cars are starting to go chaotic. So it's a visible energy. It's also a, a non-visible energy. They're starting to figure out what it might be at this point, I think. They do the bioscan of both Susans, and Henry finds that the two Susans are identical in every way. Susan Perkins. Down to the last protein chain, chromosomes, cell differentiation, I mean all the markers are identical. How did you know? I was reading Walter's personnel file last night. Guess what the subject of his first dissertation was. Stem cell replication. Are you saying that Walter cloned his wife? Not exactly. Walter went way beyond cloning. He recreated Susan cell by cell as a full-grown adult. I mean, she may look 30. Chronologically, those tissues can't be more than seven years old. Tops. A year older than her son. That's creepy. Uh, Susan was right. Walter wanted a family with her. Or with her. Though Walter, not being able to have his own wife, decided to clone himself one in with a technique that was so far advanced that the only way to distinguish the two was by the age of the cells. Allison tries to convince Susan to take Brian, who's a stranger to her, but he is technically her biological son. She doesn't seem to want to have anything to do with it. Of course, I mean, she has to be freaked out by the whole ordeal anyway. You know, she comes to this town 
she finds out that um, she's dead when she's not. She finds out that her husband cloned her. She finds that the house that they built was the exact house that she had imagined building when they were married wherever they lived in Seattle. So, I mean, she's got to be freaked. This has to be a lot for anybody. But she really does not want to take the child with her. There is something very wrong with you people. Believe me, Susan, no one knew what Walter had done. I'm as surprised as you are. Oh, I seriously doubt that. I think the important thing now is to decide where you go from here. My ex-husband cloned me, moved her into our dream house, and had a child with her. Where I'm going is home to put this insanity behind me. So, listen, your records have all been cleared. You can leave any time you want. I just wish I that you would... know what you're going to say. I appreciate the concern you have for that boy, really, but he's not mine, Miss Blake, and no amount of science is going to change that. I know, My mind can... is made up. I need to go home. Fine. I'll drive you back to your car. Because of all the uh, energy surges, Carter understands that Sarah monitors the whole house realizes that, yeah, he had a, an energy surge in his house. So he asks Fargo to play the tape. And they see the figure, and they can see his face, and they can see that it is Walter. But now lies the problem of how to find him again, and when they do find him, how to contain him. Get him back to Walter, right? basically. So what happens is Allison is taking Susan to her car so she could leave town, but she decides to give it one more shot and tries to convince Susan to take Brian by bringing her to Brian's school, thinking that if she saw him, she'd want to take him. We think she'll change her mind when she sees him, but she really doesn't. But Susan's motherly instinct does kick in as soon as Allison's car starts having energy fluctuations and they see the figure walking up towards the school which Allison recognizes as Kevin's nightmare. Susan pretty much comes to Brian's rescue until they realize that the figure is well. Now here's what I love about Eureka always. Something happens to somebody like they walk in and they find Walter. Mm -hmm. We don't have to wait for them to figure out what to do. We don't have to wait for somebody to come. The next scene he's in the containment thing. Somebody falls off a cliff We don't have to wait until somebody realizes they're missing and finds them and rescues them. Somebody falls off a cliff. The next scene, they're in the hospital. Right. I love that. (laughs) I I don't like wasting time either. I know that's an odd thing to love, but I love that we don't have to waste time waiting for somebody to find them, waiting for this and waiting for that. It's the next scene. Yeah, they make a whole episode of what ifs. Right, right. Maybe this happened. Maybe that happened. What could it be? (laughs) The other thing I wanted to bring up was before Allison took Susan to the school, she was walking through town with her, and, you know, people were staring at her because they thought she was dead. And Beverly comes out shocked to see Susan alive. Now, in our last podcast, Dud Gramley and I were discussing Beverly. Now, again, I watched this, so I know who's who and what everybody's like. But from first-time viewer, we were discussing in the last episode... We, we know she poisoned Susan because Susan was going to tell that somebody was helping. The discussion was, was Beverly doing this to protect the town or did she have her own agenda? But by the way she looked at live Susan, it's kind of clear to me that she has her own agenda. Looks that way. Yeah. So Walter's in another time stream, apparently. So they have him in some sort of containment to stabilize him. Later, Sarah <laughs> locks um, Jack out of the apartment out of the smart house because he didn't call her. And dinner's, dinner's cold. And dinner's cold. Point, and and she, you got some nerve. It's, yeah. 
he thought he was a single guy living in a, in, in a bachelor pad, but no, he has this house haunting him about not calling her if he's going to be late. After the Walter crisis was averted, Joe was trying to tell Jack something, but he didn't want to hear it. He said, if it's not an emergency, I, I can wait till tomorrow. Right. And somebody knocks on the door, and there is Joe with Zoe. Earlier in the episode, Sarah did call him to say his ex-wife called to say that Zoe didn't come home. So apparently she's run away again. Now, I was kind of confused by this, because Carter and Zoe did not have a good relationship from the first episode. Right. So why she would want to live with him? Maybe things weren't working out too well at the other place. I guess. (laughs) I guess. It was just a little confusing. I think she bonded with people in the town while she was there. A little bit. And I think she felt like she fit in there. Because it certainly didn't seem to be the relationship with her father. She took a little bit of a liking to Joe, I think. Yeah. The surroundings were kind of cool. Right. She was understood by some other people. Right, so, yeah, that's what I think her motivation is. Unless she's hoping to build a relationship with her father, which, of course, now that he's not a U.S. Marshal and traveling all over the place, that's possible. Or wherever she was, she didn't like it too much. So right. So, the less of the two evils, perhaps. Right. I don't know. The, uh, future episodes will tell, probably. Yeah, it leaves, you, it leaves you wondering a little bit what's going on. Right. So, that's really all the whole episode, unless you have something that you... Well, I noticed a couple of things were cool. Uh, when Susan first notices that the energy source might be Walter, I was kind of well waiting for her to yell, Walter! <laughs> I was too. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I was waiting for something to that effect. Right. And when they were doing that scene, I couldn't remember if that was, you know, like I said, I've seen it a million times, but I don't remember all the specifics. But I couldn't remember if that was coming next, but it didn't. I was kind of disappointed. But not necessarily that scene, but somewhere. Yeah, somewhere along the... You know, where, all right, there's two Susans here somewhere. All right, yeah, Walter! I was waiting for something like that to happen in the back of my mind. No, you're right, because I thought the same thing when I was watching it. But then then I was wondering, is the reason that in the first episode she did it the same way all the time? She was calm, Walter, Walter. She'd scream, and then she was calm again. And she did it again later in the episode, just like that. And I'm wondering if that's something about the clone? Because it was just odd. Yeah, she seemed almost like a psycho. Yeah, she's calm. I'm going to have a tantrum and yell this thing, right? Walter, Walter, Walter! And then she'd calm right down, boom, and say Walter again. Walter, sweetie? (laughs) Yeah, so I guess she's trying all angles. We're just going to get his attention if I talk softly, or I call him a nice sweetie name, or I call him whatever, or yell! I don't know. And then the the other thing (laughs) I was waiting for that, though, in in this episode. So was I, actually. And the other thing that struck me funny, because I wonder about things, but did Walter build the dream home, or did the clone come up with the dream home because she had the same memories as Susan? Or did I mean, it was the same down to the wallpaper, she said. Or did Walter just build the dream home from what he remembered she wanted? I know there's no answer to that, but... <laughs> Not yet. Maybe in future episodes. But That's one of those cliffhangers it, that it, leaves you wondering. It, it just kind of made me wonder. I don't know why. Did this Susan person have all of the old Susan's memories? So she would know what her dream home was supposed to look like and pick out all the same things. She was done cell by cell, so he knows what's yeah. in, that, in that brain, apparently. He got it from somewhere. The other thing that I wanted to mention, when Nathan was in the infirmary, he didn't make any bones about asking Jack if he was sleeping with Allison. Right. 
Not at all. He just went right for it. He just went right to the subject. But like I said before, they both know where they're coming from. It's a little awkward, but it's a little cool. Yeah. And they get the little smirky thing here, quirky thing here on both sides. Carter is also kind of playing along with it for now. Right, and right. To see how it's panning out. You know, how aggressive he can be or, well, or not. I'm just feeling it out, I guess. Yeah. And that's true, and I think kind of obvious that Carter is attracted to Allison. So Nathan showing up and finding out he's her husband kind of puts a damper on things. So there's a little snark there between the both of them. It's a little snark, but he's he's not pissed off. He's kind of being snarky. He understands that, all right, we're apart, but there might be somebody else, but he's not mad. My impression of Nathan, and I like him, believe me, my impression of Nathan is he's so full of himself that at this point he doesn't see Carter as real competition. Yeah, he made some kind of remark. Not yet, anyway. Right. Yeah, that's that's a good storyline there that they can expand on. I'm sure that will be around in future episodes. Oh, sure, yeah. And I guess that's pretty much it, unless you have other things that you thought of. No, nope, we've pretty much covered everything there. In short, that's what it is. The energy source comes into town. It's very powerful. They try to figure out what it is and pretty much do. And we'll see what the future brings. Okay, so that's it for this episode. Thanks for dropping by. Okay, DC, tell us what's next. Come back, enjoy us next time for season one, episode three. Before I forget, see you soon. Please remember to follow us on our Facebook page. Yeah, that can't be good. At facebook.com backslash Eureka Rewatch or on Twitter at Eureka Rewatch. Links to information discussed during our podcasts will be added to our website at EurekaRewatch.com. You can also listen to our podcast on Podbean. If you'd like to send us an email, please email us at EurekaRewatch at gmail. We would love to hear from you. 